Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to another episode where Paul and I teach you how to control your capital. Yeah, or somebody else will. That's right. What's going on, Paul? Not much. We picked up our new car yesterday and it's sprinkling all day today, so it's been crappy out. So that's you know, a free car to... wash. Go out, throw some, throw some Dawn like dish soap oh, yeah. on it. Don't use that. That takes the... off all your wax. Oh wait, it has to have wax on it to take off. I don't first. wax cars. I, I send them through the car wash automatic. The brush has actually touched the car. I know that's a sin for you. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We we hand we hand wash. Yeah. But uh, hey, you could pay people. You get all those kids now. Pay those kids to watch that thing. Are you kidding me? Like I, they pick up a handful of gravel and rub it on the car. Like I don't need that. Like, yeah. yeah I, was, I mean, the, the, I got two kids that have their own cars, so now they're washing their cars, and it's uh, which is good. I'm glad they care. Yeah. Yep. So no, it's good. Pride of ownership is important. Yeah, big time. Um. Well, hey, happy Labor Day, everybody. I know uh, when you're listening to this or when this podcast drops, it's going to be Labor Day. Yeah, so, workers workers united. Workers of the world unite. The most Marxist holiday on the calendar. <laughs> all that labor that, well, what about the capital that paid for the labor? Does that matter at all? I don't know. Somebody was controlling their own capital and was able to put that to work and create those jobs. Right? Yep. Yep. And speaking of capital, I was listening to, I was just flip, flipping through Instagram and an and Ayn Rand video came up and I need to send it to you because she had some, it was 1957. She had some super intelligent things to say about, about economics and other things and government control over capital. So. Yeah. It's amazing. The insight some people had, you know, uh, shoot in the fifties was what, 70, 80 years ago. Now you're talking 70 years ago. Um, yeah, pushing. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple like Napoleon Hill, not yeah. just his famous um, "Think and Grow Rich," which, uh, hey, if the uh, producers listening, Jack, go ahead and throw that link for that book in the uh, show notes, please. "Think and Grow Rich." He also had another one. Ah, oh, man, I will have to think of that and put that in the show notes too. But another book that was just amazing for the for his time. In fact, it wasn't even published until after he was dead. Because yeah. I think his family was scared for him to publish it because of the the, the pushback he would get from people high up. Sure. Um, but I read that one. It was phenomenal. Napoleon Hill. Search his books. They're they're amazing. Uh, and the insight he had 70 years ago was was pretty incredible. I mean he was talking about how smoking cigarettes is a stupid thing to do and it's really bad for you, even though all the doctors at the time were saying Menthols are great for you. They actually improve your health and you know, buy this brand. <laughs> yeah. So you know, now they have a different message. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. So anyway, what, Labor Day, the official end of summer, kids going back to yep. school. My kids, I had four of them start 
today and four of them start the day after Labor Day or three of them. The other three start the day after Labor Day. So, yep. My kids went back last week. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, it's nice. I had to wake up. So my son wanted his, my youngest buzzed his hair this summer, actually my younger two boys. And, uh, he wanted a fresh buzz right before school today. So I took him out to the garage and buzzes. So like an even Steven. You oh know? yeah. And he's got the perfect round little head. It's like so perfectly shaped. Like, man, I I've shaved my, my I dome couldn't pull it off a, a couple times for deployments and basic training and all that. And it was uh, just cause it was easy, but yeah, it, yeah, it's not for me. No. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, man, um, let's see. We got our first football game tonight. Okay. Yeah. Under the lights. Oh yeah. 8 PM under the lights. So yeah. Sweet. Looking forward to that. And it's hot up there. You said too. Yeah, no, it's not bad now. It's like 80. So it's actually okay. going to be in the seventies tonight. It's going to be nice. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It'll be real nice. So yeah. All right. Um, hey, I thought we'd start with, uh, let me tell a little story, personal story about, um, you know, the question that comes up a lot of, Hey, when do I know it's time for me to add, uh, another policy, or as we like to say, another branch to your, your family bank, um, you know, when do you add another one? So, um, I'm going to give my story on why I'm about to add four more policies and maybe a fifth here pretty soon. Um, so I, uh, you know, blended families last year, I got three kids, Hannah's got four, my kids all have policies. Um, as soon as we got married, got Hannah policy, you know, a big policy for her. So she's good. Um, and, uh, then I got myself another one and just, you know, a, a series of them. Well, and I've had a lot of policy loans out because you and I put that capital to work, right? It does fine right. just sitting in our in our policies. And in fact, we put it to work while it's still in our policies. So we like to put it work to work because now it's it's going to work in two places at the exact same time. Um, but I so I've had a lot of loans out, and this year I've I've been able to repay all of my loans, um, pay all the premiums, fund new policy premiums. So everything's paid up. I don't have any more room to put capital inside my policies and that's a bad thing like that to me is like i should have seen that coming you know a couple months ago and, yep. and planned ahead right so now the next question is well I've, I've got capital residing and accumulating in somebody else's bank which is what we preach against all the time so now it's time to find somewhere for that capital to reside. And in my case, I have four perfect insurable interests. So four kids, now stepkids, died. they all need a policy. So that's where I'm going next. Get those going. Yep. Best time to buy a policy is when, when you're young and healthy. Oh, yeah. Yep, and super easy. Super easy underwriting. Uh, although I just had an easy easy underwriting it was like three days and the guy was 61 years old but anyway it was unheard of wow um um so yeah great great time to expand expand the system expand the system to accommodate your income now yeah right uh page 48 nelson's book by the way folks 
expanding the system to accommodate all income. It's great, great little couple pages there. But uh, no, I, I like it. Um, something to be said about juvenile policies too, Dave, is a lot of people don't realize this because they're always like, we've got this question that comes up sometimes. Should I get policies on my children first? Mm-hmm. And of course, my answer is always, well, well, no. Are, are you insurable, dad or mom? Well, yes, we are. You know, we're yeah. healthy and haven't had any health issues or whatever. I was like, well, no, the the first set of policies should be on generation one. In some cases, we're talking to people whose whose parents, you know, we might be talking to some folks in their 20s or 30s whose parents are only in their 50s. If they're insurable, I would make the argument that we should look at them Interesting. as well. Yeah. Sorry, folks, we had a, a little technical glitch there. So, Paul, go back to when you're talking about uh, making the case for a 20-year-old buying a policy on their 50-year-old parent. Oh, that's where it fell off. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I was talking to nothing because I, I noticed you froze and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm just going to keep talking. Because I was so intrigued um, by what you were saying. You, you just stopped me still. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I would, I know that I've had clients in the past or in their late 20s, early 30s that have, you know, introduced IBC to their folks. And of course, you know, dad is a traditional, you know, max by 401k or IRA and put money in the stock market, all that stuff. And, that, and that's all fine. Um, and mildly interested about the infinite banking concept and dividend paying whole life insurance. Well, not knowing that, hey, let's sequence the money into policy on you, dad, first, because you're you're most likely going to, you know, graduate before I do because you're 30 years older than right. I am. Yeah. Um, that is the most likely scenario. So um, I've had clients try to do that. Like, hey, Hey, Paul, I've tried to convince my parents they're just, you know, they're too set in their ways or whatever. But at least they they, they made the effort and they, they were smart enough to recognize that's going to benefit me. That's going to benefit my brother, my sister, the grandchildren. Um, and I don't know if I caught this before, but juvenile policies are 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 great, but they're they're at like a tobacco rate. They're kind of like a, a standard tobacco rating until the child turns 18. Then you get them reassessed you know, preferred, preferred, no tobacco, you know, whatever it is, super preferred, right. whatever. Yep. Um, and that's just the way it is. So I always tell people like, get generation one insured first, then this, if that's the grandparents, great. If that's you, the parent, first generation, great. You should be insured to the fullest extent first, and then you worry about the children. Right. Anyway. Yeah. It, Which is what you've done in your household. That's what I've done in my house. Yeah. There's an order that makes sense because, you know, if you just think of it, you know, it's a morbid thought, but you just think of it in terms of finances and financial impact, how much impact is there financially if, God forbid, a child passes versus a parent, right? It's right. greater if a parent goes, so they need to be covered. So it, we don't always um, have to put the banking uh piece of this puzzle at the forefront, right? In fact, I think you and I are both on the same page. Like we can't neglect the death benefit part of whole life insurance. That's what it is, right? It's life insurance. It's very important. It's very important. Um, Frankly, the most important because it's the the one thing that makes everything else work. That's right. So you got to focus on that and, and say, yeah, I get it. Oh, hey, my wife is five years younger. She's healthier. Maybe we should get the policy on her. She's a stay-at-home mom. No, man, if you're the breadwinner, uh, even if you're older, doesn't matter. Like we can, yep. we can design the policy. I mean, you could design her policy to be less efficient than yours. It doesn't really matter. 
there's different ways to design it, but yeah, it, you know, you've got to think of the financial impact of the loss of that person's income. Yep. I always, I always basically tell people, and this is well before I even put an illustration in front of, in front of folks. I do that later in the process as, as you do, I think, is that you're splitting hairs. One, you're splitting hairs over something you haven't even looked at yet. Right. You're thinking in your mind because you've read some stuff on Investopedia or some other online, you know, generic, um, you know, content creators that have these experts that write these articles and stuff. But you're you're splitting hairs over almost nothing. Right. It makes you're replacing somebody's income with life insurance. That's what it's there for. So if someone doesn't have an income. Yes, you're going to feel that loss if all of a sudden you have to take on as the dad all the childcare things and the cooking and the whatever your whatever your roles are, right? You're going to feel that. Oh, yep. daycare. I have to pay for that now because I don't have, you know, a, a housewife that's doing those things. Right. Or even a, a house husband in in some cases. Yep. Um so but yes, the breadwinner first and foremost, everything. Yeah. So you you have conversations with people sometimes and they're very into the details policy mm. design numbers and, and details it so it's really important to like zoom back out let's just boil this down what is this about this is about controlling your capital so right. so that somebody else can't that's right? right um so let's start there you know that's the thirty thousand foot view let's you got to control your capital now let's figure out what's the best way to control your capital if you do this right, you're going to end up with more death benefit than, than you know what to do. You can get past the underwriters. Right. Yeah. As much as you can get past the underwriters. So, yeah, let's, let's keep it simple. Not, not over uh, complicate something that shouldn't be overcomplicated. Which, going back to when is it time to add more policies? Um, I realize I've got everything paid back. Um, I can handle the premiums. Time to get more policies. My capital needs to go somewhere and those policies are great. In the future, I can make the children the owners of those policies, you know, when they're old enough to, to use it responsibly, appropriately. I guess what if I, if I just change the ownership of that to them, look at all that cash value they have access to. That's right. It's a, and it's is a, that going to show up as income for them? Nope. No. So what a great way to transfer uh, some some wealth to your kids, to your offspring, to your beneficiary, to anybody that you have an insurable interest in. Yep. Without, without any IRS involvement or any tax or big brother looking over your shoulder, none of that stuff. So just to summarize, Dave, so you've got all your premium, current premiums that you're responsible for paying, base premium and PUA premium spoken for, for the year. Correct. You've got all policy loans on all the policies that you own repaid. Yep. And now you have cash stacking up in somebody else's bank, either your business checking or your personal checking or whatever, wherever it's at. It's somewhere, folks, right? It could be a CD. It could be somewhere else, but it's in someone else's banking institution that I don't control, that I don't get the dividend from. So now Dave is saying, hey, it's time to expand the system to accommodate my increased income. Yeah, it, it's Perfect. a no-brainer. I mean, there's no only brainer. one place I want to put this extra capital, and that's inside more policies. So now here's what, what because I've taken so many loans out to put towards other opportunities, 
that have come yeah. my way. Those opportunities, that money is still with those opportunities. Those haven't matured yet. And that money hasn't come back to me. So what problem is that? What quote unquote problem am I facing in the future? A windfall. A, a windfall. So that money is going to come back to me because I put my money in very safe places, very safe scenarios where it earns a consistent return. And I'm very, very confident it's coming back to me. Right. So when that comes back to me, um, yeah, that's a windfall. So right. I need to prepare for that because I'm not going to want to just go stick that into a you know a local bank account here, which you know probably exceed the the FDIC insured amount, you know, because that's really worth a lot anyway. If a bank fails, yeah. But uh, so how do I prepare? How would you prepare for a windfall, Paul? Like if you're not ready to fund a policy now, but you know, hey, I'm going to sell a property. Or I'm a real estate investor. I'm going to sell one property every year for the next five, 10 years. How are you preparing? What's a, what's a yeah. quick and easy way to prepare for that windfall? So I think a great way to do it, and I think we've mentioned it over the, over the past year and a half we've been on the, on the air here, is I always like to have, and I'm guilty of not having one in place right now, but I'm, I'm about to, um, a massive amount of convertible term policies. Uh, let's say it's a, t- a, t- a 10 year, because I think in my mind in 10 years, I'll be able to convert all of this to, to, to a whole life policy or policies. So I like to have that in my hip pocket, convertible term, um, getting as close to as, as my anticipated human life value as I can get. So as income rises, our human life value com- goes up. Therefore, to an underwriter's eyes, I'm worth more because I've made more money, let's say. So I like to have that convertible term in place so that even if something happens to me in the next decade, health-wise, I can snap my finger. Really, it's not snapping a finger, but it's a few pieces of paper. It's very easy. You've done it. I've done it a, a few times. Well, and, um, and uh, frankly, the insured doesn't have to do anything. They tell they tell right. you and me, hey, I want to convert. That's right. We do it. Very, very simple. Very easy yeah. um, process. And it's it's seamless. Uh, but that's that's a great way to get after not only the human life value, but being prepared for a windfall um, that you know is coming ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to dig more into convertible term and kind of ins and outs of that, go to episode 18. And we got a whole episode on you know how does convertible term fit into this IBC strategy? Um, you know, it, IBC is a concept, but this whole thing is a strategy of how to control your capital. And that's a perfect way to do it. So that's absolutely, I've already got a big convertible term. So I've already prepared for that windfall whenever it may come. Um, and that'll be pretty cool. So I'll just be able to pull from that insurance, start a new whole life policy, and put that money in there right away, get it going. Um, but until then, it's time to open, open some more and, you know, Look for other opportunities. It feels really good to have all those loans repaid. It doesn't. It, it does. No, it it does. Um, I tell you, I the older I get, I think maybe or the I don't know what it is, but I I I like having the knowledge that I can get to a large amount of capital. And when I say large, folks, I mean relative to my income, right? Um, you know, your number might be bigger than mine, or smaller than mine, or the same, you know, whatever. But it's yeah. relative. For me, it's a, it's a large amount of money um, that that I have earmarked for, for you know opportunities. But really, my my next opportunity, and we've talked about it, is to build my 
build my forever home the way I want without compromise. Because every time I've compromised on something, like saving $1,500 on a car, not getting that option, and then realizing that $1,500 over six years is nothing. Yeah. And it, I've, every time I look at it, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm such a cheapskate, right? So stupid. I don't want to do that. So anyway, um, yes, it feels feels great consolidating the capital. We've got some, I think, and I'm not an economist, um, that we've got some some things on the horizon. There's some stuff economically going on in China um, that, I, that I've been kind of keeping my eye on uh, that I don't, I don't like. We have uncertainty in, you know, Eastern Europe with, you know, there's just... Next year's an election a, year. We have an election coming up. Uh, we've, we've, we've had a lot of money printing over the last few years. It's just ridiculous. The cost of real estate's ridiculous. Uh, the price of fuel is still ridiculous. Um, so there's just a lot of uncertainty. So I'm in that con- kind of consolidation mode because if you're ready for opportunity, you can make money in any market, good or bad. Yeah. And I, and I firmly believe that, but, uh, so anyway, yes, but bottom line, yes, feels great. Love repaying policy loans. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It, just, it, uh, the only bummer about it is now I have nowhere for, for my extra capital to go. I've got nowhere right. for it to reside until I start new policies. So I got to get that up and going. Uh, up and running and then pay those premiums. And once those are paid, then I'm, I'm back, to, back to the same problem of where do I put this capital? So it's uh, it really does. I mean, the accommodating, creating or uh, expanding the system to accommodate all income. That's a really difficult thing to think <laughs> at the beginning. But once you yes. get so comfortable with this that, hey, I've got capital. Okay, I know where I'm putting it right away. Boom, back into uh, paying premiums or repaying policy loans. You get to that point where you can't put any more money in there and you're like, okay, now I'm starting to get really firsthand experience with what it means to expand the system to accommodate all income because now I need to expand my system to accommodate this extra income. Yeah, I heard that. They're they're working on, um, there's some utility work. They're double, like, they're cre- making this road outside where I live into a, I think, two lanes in each direction and there's all kinds of utility trucks over the last few months and they're digging and i don't know if they're i don't know if they're i I saw some fiber stuff so i don't know if they're like oh sorry that was features fiber uh yep oops yeah thanks thanks my dudes (laughs) (laughs) so sorry folks if it's uh maybe it won't be evident to you guys when they uh do some editing but um but yeah it's um it's nice to know that you know, living the IBC life that we know what to do. And I, I'm, I'm hoping we're putting it in simple enough terms for people that, hey, bottom line is when you have money stacking up in somebody else's bank and you anticipate having that level of income year after year after year stacking up in somebody else's bank, it might be time to consider opening up another policy, especially if you're not fully insured or your wife's not fully insured or your husband or um, or you don't have policies on the children yet or whatever. So that's kind of what we're, what we're getting at and what Dave's about, about to do, um, due to this change in his circumstances on his personal life. And, and, uh, so it's, that's what it's all about. Page 48, just to reiterate. Yep. So it really shifts your oh. way of thinking. Go ahead. You have another. Yeah. Thought. I wanted, 
I know people are going to go to page 48, which is great. And they're going to say, so I can put, uh, can I design a policy so I can put my entire paycheck into it and then take a policy loan and pay my monthly expenses? Yeah. Okay. That's not what Nelson is really saying. Although I will say this, because, you, know, you, you know, in there he says, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't premiums and income match? Well, the way I've kind of heard it put is, well, isn't, is a dividend, for, you know, paid into the PUA? Is that premium? Yeah. Can these dividends get quite large many times the current premium over time? Yeah, they sure can. You know, we could have a $100,000 premium if your premium is big enough. Or hundred, excuse me, $100,000 dividend. Yeah. Um, now, anyway, it. but the goal is just to pay high premium relative to your income. You know, the devil's in the details, but it's, you. no, you cannot put your entire $10,000 a month paycheck into a policy every month as premium and then take policy loans that live off. You, you, if there's people out there doing that, that's not, that's not the intent. No. And it, I think it complicates things. I'd say, and you're not going to get that past the underwriter. You're not. So keep it simple. Unless your agent is lying. Is, unless your agent is, <laughs> is lying. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So uh, keep it simple. Start where you're at. I had that conversation with somebody today. Uh, in fact, another couple I was talking to, they've actually got more kids than me. Got nine kids. Whoa. Yeah. And uh and they were they were talking about, you know, should we should we wait a little while, you know, and get our health in a better situation? Um, well, my first question was, Are you insured right now? Do you have life insurance? They said, Yep, we have term insurance, like a million bucks each. So okay. Then yeah, there's a case to be made that yeah, you, you got a little time on your hands because you have insurance. If you had no insurance, I'd say, No, I can't recommend that. You know, my professional opinion is absolutely not. You can't wait. Yeah, I mean, we don't know until we throw you into the underwriting process. Um, you know, companies look at different things. Some companies are more forgivable for height, weight, BMI type calculations. Um, and there's things that we can put in the underwriting notes that, you know, if you're a bodybuilder and you're just, you know, you're a heavy dude who lifts heavy things uh -huh. and your BMI is 30 or something, but you're, you know, you're fit and I could see that, you know, I know that you're fit, then we're going to put some notes in there, but if, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, but my, my advice to them was, you know, you may not be able to start where you want to start right now, but start where you're at. Right. That's right. Start where you're at and you'll find quickly how to expand the system. You'll find reasons. I mean, they've got 11 insurable interests in their family right now. So there's no shortage of ability uh, to add another branch to their bank, their family's That's bank. right. Yep. Um, you know, except that, you know, shoot, if they got to insure all nine kids at the same time, um, that's a, no, they, they, they could just be very, very small policies. I think we can open up, I think we, uh, you know, typical IBC policy is generally going to be, uh, you want it to be about a hundred thousand dollars of underwriting, uh, roughly. Um, but if, but if it can't be that high, it'll, it'll eventually reach that amount obviously over time. But, um, you know, a thousand dollars a year is, is I think the smallest that they'll, that they'll do on most, most of the policies that are structured for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, to, to sum it up, you know, there's, there's some very obvious times in life when it's time to add more policies. <clears throat> yep. And when you're and stacking I mean, capital in somebody else's bank, it's time. It's time. And yeah. if I said a thousand dollars a month, I meant a thousand dollars a year. I wasn't sure if I said month or year, but it's a thousand dollars a year. Oh, was a minimum I, premium. Yeah. It's the minimum say, premium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh yeah, that, I mean that's 
that's not that's not much right on a monthly basis no it's um, 8333 i think yeah, right mm-hmm. um so you know stack capital in your own bank in your own banking system and prepare for that windfall i've talked to so many people lately who who are sitting on on cash from selling a house and maybe they've they've already got a second house mm-hmm. uh, so they don't you know they they don't know what to do with that except stick it in a brokerage account and you know and you know do whatever do whatever they can do with that um or there's a great place to catch a windfall and get all of that into a policy or you know maybe we should talk about the pdf writer um in another episode but you know a, a way to fund a policy for the next 10 years say yep. without you having to pay out of pocket a dime because you have that windfall that you can put to work right away yeah and it gives you more bang for your premium buck it really does big time so yeah let's let's reserve that for another episode because i think that's a yeah a, a great one that i've been encountering a, quite a bit recently actually uh, that could be a good fit for a lot of people so yeah stay tuned for that message coming up um but hey, everybody enjoy your labor day and uh your, your day off and uh hey hopefully uh the fall turns out well for everybody i'm hoping for a real indian summer here uh nice long fall right where <laughs> but what we get is like 100 degrees and then it's snowing yeah, winter winter is coming. Winter is coming, as they say. <laughs> Indeed yeah. it is. So, well, all right, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening. And uh, we haven't said this in quite some time, but hey, leave us a review. We're, we've got like 97 reviews. I want to hit 100. So if there's three of you out there listening, maybe you can be the 100th review we get. That'd be pretty awesome. So please uh, get in there on, this is Apple, on Apple iTunes. So uh podcast we got like 97 i think so let's let's hit 100 so do us a favor if you uh if you like what you hear so even if you don't like do do a one star but leave a comment don't be a coward that makes it average you know gives us some legitimacy like oh not everyone likes it right yeah i mean we we have one one star so i mean another one wouldn't kill us but yeah leave a review hey and until next time control your capital or somebody else will Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.